We know the first few hours are crucial in a missing persons case. It could mean all the difference between finding the child safe and unharmed and the case going cold, never having the answers as to what happened. But what happens when no one reports the child's missing? What happens when those entrusted in the care of that child don't report them missing? How can no one notice or care when a child disappears completely? We discussed the case of Gary Hosey earlier this year, a young child caught in a cycle of alleged abuse and neglect. The people around him and authorities being made aware of this and never removing the child, never swooping in and being a superhero to save this child, to give them a chance of greatness. Like in Gary's case, the one we will discuss today, It took an older sibling to step up and demand answers for this case to see the light of day, to be investigated, for justice to be sought, for a child who has not been seen for almost a decade. This is Adam's story. But how could almost a decade go by without someone noticing that Adam had been missing? The boy's adoptive parents have said that Adam frequently ran away from home and that the last time he ran away, in 1999, he never returned. Relatives, however, were told something different. We thought he went back to the state. I mean, that's what we were told. An anonymous tip last month led to the investigation. It's a daunting task for investigators. Ivan Sylvester Goringer III was born June 8, 1987, to parents Jerry George and Ivan Goringer II in St. Francis Hospital in Wichita, Kansas. Ivan Jr. would be the fourth-born child to Jerry, and he would be one of ten siblings. Toddler Ivan was described as being full of energy, and he tried to please everyone. When Ivan Jr. was about 18 months old, his parents would divorce, with his father moving to Indiana, and Jerry stayed with the children in Wichita. Not much is known about their time with their mother, but sometime in 1990, police would receive reports of bruises on Jerry's eldest child. This would result in Child Protective Services intervention and the children would be removed from Jerry's care and placed into the foster care system. Ivan Sr. would try to get custody of his biological children, including Ivan Jr. He would be cleared of any involvement in the alleged child abuse, but still, child welfare officials terminated his parental rights. This would be when Valerie and Douglas Herman would come into Ivan Jr.'s life. Both had criminal histories, nothing violent. Douglas had a felony in a false check case, and Valerie charges in a misdemeanor harassment case. The Hermans had two older biological children, but soon after the birth of their second child, Valerie discovered she could not have any more children of her own. This left the couple heartbroken as the Hermans had plans of having a large family together. The Hermans turned to adoption to fill their home, and they would first foster, then adopt Ivan Jr. For this, they would receive state adoption subsidy payments of $700 a month. They also had foster care for a period of time for his two younger sisters – The Hermans stated they wanted to keep the biological siblings together. So the Hermans, their two biological children, Ivan and his two younger sisters, 
they would all live together in a manufactured home in the Pine Ridge Mobile Home Park in Derby, Kansas. At some point that has not been made clear, the Hermans change Ivan's name to Adam Joseph Herman, and we discussed parents changing their children's names in the Orson and Oren West case. From the research I did for that episode, there is nothing unusual or nefarious with this. It isn't unusual for adoptive parents and adoptive children to change part of their names, or their names entirely, to match that of their new family. At one point, around 1990 or 1991, when Adam would have been three or four years old, the Hermans said they lost their foster care licence after an investigation. What the nature of this investigation was, we don't know. The Hermans declined to discuss this in detail, and due to privacy laws, Child Protective Services won't say either. All we know is the little that the Hermans will say and that it wasn't because of child abuse. Regardless, because of this investigation, not only did they lose their foster care licence, but authorities also removed Adam's two-year-old sister from the home. In 1999, Adam was in the fourth grade, where teachers would later describe him as an average student, but who would always be well-behaved and committed to giving 100% in class. Reading through all the comments of the people who knew and loved Adam, he sounded like the most amazing child. Teachers and school friends would see Adam as his sister's protector. She had special needs, and she would get picked on at school because of it. Adam, though, would not leave her side until it was time to go into class. He adored his little sisters and would love nothing more than running around outside with them or going to the lake to camp and fish. Adam also had a sensitive side and he would spend hours drawing and painting, using his artistic side to express his feelings. Now this side of him contradicts what happens next, the side Valerie and Douglas portray. There are so many contradictions from their side of the story, so we need to go back before going forward, back to 1996, when the Hermans state they started having behavioural issues with their nine-year-old Adam. We will provide everything there is out there today. It is your choice what you believe and what seems just way too inconsistent when you compare it with the Adam other people saw. Nineteen ninety six, eight year old Adam was removed from the home by Derby Police Department during an abuse investigation that discovered he had bruises and abrasions as Valerie spanked him with a belt. His psychological counsellor reported these bruises. Valerie would later state that quote, that's her job, I don't hold it against her, unquote. But Valerie would explain that she was spanked with a belt as a child herself and she was just continuing what she knew as a parent. But she vowed not to do it again. Quote, After that, I was too scared to spank him. He hardly ever got a spanking after that. Unquote. He hardly ever got a spanking, meaning he still did get spanked. Nineteen ninety-seven. 
Regardless, because of this, Adam would spend two days in the Wichita children's home. But after this, the Hermans were cleared of any wrongdoing and Adam was returned to their care. It was also in 1996 that Adam allegedly started running away from home, about six to eight times in total. Each time, Valerie and Douglas would be able to find him within hours. On one occasion, he ran away while they were camping in Council Grove. They said that they found him at a convenience store, with Valerie believing he was running away for attention. Whatever the reason, Adam's behaviour allegedly spiralled after this. It was when they found two knives under Adam's pillow, they would take him for a psychiatric assessment. The psychiatrist claimed that Adam was either bipolar, schizophrenic, or suffering from an attachment disorder. Now, this assessment is based completely on Valerie's and Douglas's words. I could not find any evidence of a psychiatrist ever coming forward to support this diagnosis, nor a written report from a psychiatrist stating as much. Just what Valerie and Douglas reported to the media. Now, honestly, if Adam did have an attachment disorder, I am not surprised based on the treatment it seems he was receiving in the Herman household, which was the only family he ever knew. For all intents and purposes, Valerie and Douglas were the only parents he ever knew. Now, this is simplifying the disorder, but an attachment disorder affects a person's ability to maintain or form relationships. It typically develops in childhood and generally results when a child doesn't have a consistent connection with a parent or primary caregiver. A safe and secure household and regular counselling can reduce the symptoms and have an emotionally struggling child grow into a loving and stable adult capable of great things. Sadly, it seems, Adam truly never experienced a safe and secure household and regular counselling, though. Valerie would claim she kept Adam locked in the bathroom at night, under the advice of a psychiatrist. Honestly, if a psychiatrist advised this, they need their license revoked. But because of this advice, the Hermans turned around the bathroom doorknob so it could be locked from the outside, for a period of possibly two to three months, but also maybe longer. Valerie cannot remember. But Adam slept in the bathtub with a sleeping bag, sheet, pillow and blanket. Valerie would claim she only locked him in there of a night, and it was for his and their protection. There was no chains or handcuffs, because, quote, he was going to kill us, unquote. However, Valerie denied ever withholding food from Adam, and that sometimes he would overeat to the point of throwing up. These points are important because of what comes up later. But Douglas would later state that Adam was their most difficult child, but, quote, that sure as heck doesn't mean that we loved him any less, unquote. January 1998. Adam, who was now 10 years old. Adam would come to school hungry with bruises on his legs and arms. His elementary school teachers reported this suspected child abuse. But like many times in this case, no action was taken and the report was closed without further investigation. 
for reasons that I can only explain is to prevent these reports from reoccurring. Valerie would register as a non-accredited private school on January 26, 1998, and she pulled Adam out of the elementary school to homeschool him. It was also around this time that family would visit the Hermans in Derby, and Adam would allegedly grasp his Uncle Stephen's arm and beg him to help him. His uncle disregarded this at the time. He believed Valerie and Douglas that Adam acted out for attention, and he deemed it as exactly that, a cry for attention, and he did nothing more. January 31st, 1999, Super Bowl Sunday. The Hermans would have family over for a barbecue and to watch the game. This day would be the last confirmed sighting of Adam outside of Valerie and Douglas. And none of these sightings would be positive or in favour of the Hermans' treatment to the now 11-year-old Adam. A day where it would be later reported that Valerie could be heard allegedly berating the child and putting him down. It would be constant throughout the day, and it appeared that she hated Adam. Valerie's sister, Kim Winslow, would later report that she saw Adam shackled to the bathtub faucet with handcuffs, and he was not allowed to leave the bathroom once. That no one took him food or even water. Valerie allegedly telling her that Adam did not deserve food. Unfortunately, and this astounds me to no end, and no one reported the alleged mistreatment of Adam. With all the adults that saw him being treated like this on this day, if it was me, I would have grabbed that child and ran out of there. Nothing would have stopped me. But considering no one outside of Valerie and Douglas would come forward to say they saw Adam after this, this may have been the last opportunity to save Adam from whatever came next. The next part is according to Valerie and Douglas Herman only. There is nothing that supports this version of events, and no one came forward reporting seeing Adam since that fateful Super Bowl Sunday. But according to Valerie and Douglas, during the first week of May 1999, possibly on the weekend, they cannot remember the date, but Valerie was upset with Adam for reasons she can no longer remember but she was upset with him and she spanked him with a belt. As a consequence of this, Adam was emotional and angry and told her he was going to run away before running out the front door. Valerie shouted after him that she was glad he was leaving, quote, I was upset. We all say mean things when we get mad, things we don't mean, unquote. Thinking this was just like the other times Adam had run away, that he would calm down, realised he wasn't getting the attention from his actions and he would return. So they didn't go looking for him that day. Unfortunately, Adam would not return and would never be seen again. The next morning, the whole family drove around looking for Adam but couldn't find him. They would again try on the second day, including searching the nearby Whitewater River, but there was no sign of Adam. This is another contradiction, because the other children went with them on these searches. But then why would the children later say they were told Adam had been returned to the Department of Social and Rehabilitative Services and was back in the foster care system? 
The only way I can reason this is initially the children helped with the searches and they knew Adam had run away. And then as the days turned into weeks and it was obvious Adam wasn't returning, this is when they told the other children that they or the police or Child Protective Services found Adam. And because he was naughty or bad or whatever, he was put back into the foster care system. Valerie and Douglas Herman would state that they never reported Adam missing because they were worried Valerie spanking Adam would lead to the authorities taking Adam and his other sister away. And then as time passed, they also feared they would get into trouble if they contacted the police. Quote, After two weeks I was going to call, I picked up the phone. Unquote. Valerie was going to report Adam missing that day, but then she put the phone back down. Quote, All I could think about is losing more kids. Unquote. And this is why they continued to accept the $700 a month in state adoption subsidy payments for Adam for seven more years until his 18th birthday. For the government, it seems, they kept up the charade that Adam was still living with them, right up until 2003, when Adam was listed as a dependent in their divorce case. This divorce case was later dismissed, and Valerie and Douglas would remain married. Valerie and Douglas would later claim they thought Adam was safe when he left their home that day, that he either returned to his biological mother or was homeless and he would be fine. Yes, you heard that right. They thought an 11-year-old who, according to their story, had severe mental health problems to the point of needing to be locked up, but they thought he'd be perfectly fine living on the streets. But when he never contacted them, they just assumed he was fine. Fast forward to 2008. Adam's older sister, Tiffany Broadfoot, she had been keeping regular contact with the Hermans since Adam went into their care. She loved her siblings and wanted to make sure they were all doing well. At first, she would see him in the holidays, and then around the time the Hermans claim Adam's behaviour deteriorated, it would be a Christmas or birthday card decorated with Adam's sketches. And then Valerie would tell Tiffany that Adam was busy. He was studying or going for a driving test. Some reason she couldn't talk to him. But Valerie would tell Tiffany stories of how well Adam was doing now and that everything was fine. That was until one day in 2005 when Valerie would tell Tiffany to stop calling, to stop bothering the family, let them move on and be a real family. Actually, Valerie would tell all the families, biological and adoptive, to stop asking about Adam. She would either tell them that Adam had returned to his biological family or that he was back in the foster care system. And the Herman family had no reason to question this. The Hermans had other foster children who went back into state custody, whether voluntary or mandated. It seemed legitimate, especially considering they all knew the trouble Adam had caused them. It wouldn't be until 2008 that the families started questioning things, and one of Valerie's and Douglas's own biological children would contact the Sedwick County Exploited and Missing Children's Unit to report Adam missing. For the first time in almost a decade, authorities put pressure on the Hermans, 
Where was Adam? Almost a decade too late, the investigation into the disappearance of Adam Herman began. Unfortunately, the manufactured home that the Herman family were living in was no longer at the Pine Ridge Mobile Home Park. The lot was now empty. The authorities did locate the home in rural northwest Sedgwick County. Regardless, the Mobile Home Park and surrounding areas were searched with cadaver dogs, and the concrete flooring of the now empty lot was examined using ground-penetrating radar. This led to the concrete being broken up and the site excavated. In a press conference, law enforcement said their biggest question was answered, with Butler County Sheriff Kelly Herzett quoted as saying, We did find one of the answers we were looking for, but I'm holding that one very tightly. Unquote. The Whitewater River that runs alongside the mobile home park the same river the Hermans claim they searched in the days after Adam disappeared. It was also searched. Nothing indicating Adam's whereabouts could be found. On December 15, 2008, a search warrant was executed on the Hermans' current home, just outside Wichita, and their computer was taken to be forensically examined. I couldn't find in my research if anything of interest was found in this search. But given the Hermans have never been formally charged with Adam's disappearance or presumed death, it leads me to believe nothing of interest was found. The Hermans' previous home, Adam's last known location, it would be searched three times. Much of these searches focused on the bathroom where Adam was allegedly held captive. Luminol was used, and luminol is a chemical used to detect tiny traces of human blood. In one instance, the bathroom was searched for three hours straight. Unfortunately, no evidence of Adam remained. Police were frustrated with no evidence of what happened to Adam, and the Hermans were unwavering in their story that Adam had run away on that day in 1999. After the initial interview with police, the couple lawyered up and refused to discuss Adam further, despite promising to several times. Sheriff Herzett said, quote, I believe Valerie Herman has more to tell and she's not talking at this point, unquote. And for the record, Sheriff Herzett does not believe Valerie's story that Adam ran away, quote, No, he didn't run out that door and not come back, unquote. In 2011, Douglas and Valerie would be convicted of fraud, for accepting the adoption subsidies after Adam went missing, subsidies totaling $15,488. Douglas was sentenced to nine months in prison, and Valerie received a seven-month sentence. They were ordered to pay $2,500 in court costs, as well as repay the state for the subsidies they received. They were also both subjected to up to 12 months of post-release supervision. Adam's name, of course, came up in that hearing, with the judge saying, quote, his face should have been on milk cartons, unquote. June 2014, the existing $50,000 reward was increased to 100000 when an anonymous donor put forward more funds in hope the additional money would convince someone to come forward with information. 
The Centre for Missing and Exploited Children also did their part to find Adam by creating an age progression image of Adam at age 21. Unfortunately, neither effort would bring any solid leads in the case. Well, a Twitter account and video surfaced over the weekend from a man claiming to be a missing Butler County boy who disappeared more than 20 years ago. The man says he is Adam Herman, or he said at the time that he was Adam Herman, who went missing in 1999. He posted details of his disappearance on Twitter and then released a video. Adam was not reported missing for more than 10 years and has not been seen since. The Butler County Sheriff has spent countless hours searching for Adam and says he knows this man is not him. And through our investigation yesterday afternoon, the name was given to me. And as uh, crazy as it sounds or can be, uh, I know this young man. Uh, He worked at the detention center for a short amount of time a few years ago. And I actually knew his, or know his parents, and I knew his grandparents. Uh, They lived in this county and uh, were friends of mine. The story has brought a lot of heartache to Adam's family as they continue to search for answers about his disappearance. February 2020. Username at Herman underscore Adam on Twitter started tweeting he was the missing boy, that he had been trafficked as part of a complex child sex ring, and that he could prove he was Adam. He even offered his DNA to prove his identity. The user was a man named Stephen Smith from El Dorado, Texas. And his claims are insane. Stephen would claim his freckles were removed. His mouth and anus had been cleaned with alcohol and peroxide repeatedly. That his birthmark was also removed. And all that was left now was a red line of scar tissue. Stephen claimed the Hermans not only physically and emotionally abused him, but also sexually abused him that he was malnourished due to the lack of food his adoptive parents provided him. The Hermans hiding their crimes by keeping him isolated in the home by homeschooling him. Not that this happened, so he wasn't able to read or write until he was older. And even then, he was kept in special ed classrooms that he didn't need to be in. After he was sold to the child sex ring, the abuse continued. He was given a falsified birth certificate in his new name. And whenever he questioned his identity and whether he was Adam Herman, he was punished physically. Now, police exposed Stephen's claims to be a hoax almost immediately. The most glaring inconsistency was a large age difference between Stephen Smith and what Adam Herman would be in 2020. Sheriff Hersett would state Stephen couldn't be prosecuted for any crimes mostly because his allegations were via Twitter, and there was no legislation around this. Sadly, Stephen Smith would suicide in March 2020. It was only after his death his DNA would determine he was not a match for Adam. So, where does that leave us? Are Douglas and Valerie responsible for disappearing Adam Herman? Now, this may have been either accidental and a cover-up ensued, or it may have been intentional, with Adam being sold into sex trafficking, for example. The evidence into this possibility, we don't know. We don't even know for sure exactly when Adam went missing. We only have it at Valerie and Douglas's word that he left in May 1999. The last sighting outside of this was late January, three or four months earlier. 
The only other option being mentioned is Adam running away. We know in these cases, like Deanna Merrifield and Gary Hosey, it seems the last people who saw the missing person are heavily pushing this theory. As I mentioned before, though, then why not call the police and report him missing at the time? Why tell your other children that he went back to state care? And why keep claiming state funding for a child if you genuinely believe he's gone back to his biological family or he wants to be homeless? Only to lie to the same family and say he is doing well. I only have one answer that logically makes sense to me with this. It is because they knew Adam wasn't coming home. Either way, whether they were involved in Adam's death, accidental or otherwise, or their treatment of him led him to taking the chance out there in the big world on his own. Either way, they are responsible for whatever happened to Adam. Either way, I do not believe Adam is alive anymore, and that is on them. Adam was placed into their care to nurture him and give him the love he needed. Whether the stories other family members are telling are true or not, it is either they abused Adam or didn't get him the treatment he needed for his mental health. The Hermans failed Adam, and the system failed Adam. Douglas Herman has since passed away in 2016 at age 61 after a long-term battle with an undisclosed illness. Valerie Herman now lives in Grove, Oklahoma, and is unwell herself. Neither Douglas nor Valerie have ever been charged with Adam's disappearance or presumed death. Sadly, Adam's biological maternal grandfather passed away on December 29, 2020, another victim of COVID-19. It is times like this that Tiffany and Adam's other siblings, as well as Sheriff Herzett, wishes they could reach out and talk to him. They wish nothing more than Adam to be told this information about his grandfather's passing. Sheriff Herzett said in 2020, quote, I think about Adam Herman every day. Every day when I get up in the morning and before I go to bed at night. I wonder if we're going to get that tip tonight or sometime today where we can find his remains and we can try to have justice for him and let his family have a place to bury his remains, unquote. Adam Joseph Herman was 11 years old at the time of his disappearance. He was 4 foot 2 to 4 foot 4 and 60 to 70 pounds with blonde or sandy brown hair and blue eyes. At the time of his disappearance, Adam wore prescription gold wire-rimmed eyeglasses. He had numerous scars on his abdomen, a scar on his left thigh, and a birthmark on his lower back. If Adam is still alive today, he would be 34 years old. There is currently a $100,000 reward for any information leading to Adam's whereabouts. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Adam Herman, please contact the Butler County Sheriff's Office on 316-322-4257. If you have your own thoughts on the case we discussed today, or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives, please search Stolen Lives on Facebook. Like the page so you don't miss any episode, and join the discussion group to share your ideas and theories. 
You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, and on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please share on your social media of choice and rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app. We are now on Patreon, so if you are able, please become a patron for as little as $2 a month for early release, ad-free episodes, and starting this month, exclusive Patreon episodes. Thank you to our newest patron, Candy C. We really appreciate your support. This week's episode was researched, written, hosted and producted by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Music is by Mayu.